if you can walk every day at least 12,000 steps, eat some vegetables, get eight hours of sleep. Um, those are, I think, like the top three things that you can also do just for your own stress management. I think if you do those things every day, you're actually just going to feel better and be able to weather this, what I've been calling a shitstorm of a pandemic, way better. Welcome to the Rome from Home podcast, broadcasting from Boulder, Colorado. This is the podcast where we have illuminating conversations with the most prominent experts and icons in adventure, all from the Rome universe. Hosted by myself, Chris Gerard from Rome and National Geographic photographer, storyteller, athlete, and Rome founding member, Corey Richards. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Rome from Home <laughs> podcast, where we interview and have conversations with some of the most uh, influential experts in the world of adventure. Um, and that would certainly include our friends, Dr. Kelly Starrett and Juliette Starrett, um, who have been a major, major influence on me over the years. Uh, I've been able to spend time with Kelly and Juliet in their home, and I would say they are my heroes as far as how they operate their family and their business and how they share their information and their expertise with their community, how their doors are just wide open and their neighbors come in and out, which I'm sure as what we're going through now is a big <laughs> adjustment. Um, but just in terms of people and how they live, uh, I couldn't be more happy to be having this conversation with them and with Corey. Um, and to, to share your expertise and how you guys are, are going through this time um, with, with our listeners, uh, but also to, you know, talk a little bit about what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're consuming, how you're dealing with as a family, all those things that all of us are, are going through. Um, so with that, uh, we will dive right in. Um, you guys have met Corey Richards, our co-host here, who uh, really is like the king of the conversation, um, brings all the good questions, uh, National Geographic photographer, alpinist, athlete, uh, and a founding member of Rome, just like you guys. So um, let's go ahead and jump in and um, just start with, you know, how are you guys? How are you today? Since that's really the question, how are you today? Well, let me just start by saying Rome from home can just be condensed to from, which is really useful. <laughs> <laughs> and I also just want to appreciate the way you said that is I really appreciate the deep rationalization you've had, you've come to from coming to our house and being a willing participant in our suffering and experimentation. Because you're always like, oh, is that what we're doing today? Sounds great. I appreciate it. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, to kick things off, you know, this is the first day Juliet has been in the green on her recovery on her whoop. So whether you like it or not, we appreciate that we have been very stressed animals. And that's full admission that we are lucky enough to have a sauna. We, you know, aren't food insecure. Our kids are okay. And yet worrying about the health of our businesses, maintaining our all the families that work for us to worry about the stress. It has not been inconsequential. And it's like someone's just put a big one of those weighted blankets on us. And just finally the blanket's starting to come off a little bit. Wouldn't you agree, Jay? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm finally not, I mean, I will be honest for the first two weeks of this thing, I was like borderline panicked the entire time. Um, and 
I, I've said this to a few other people before. I mean, one of the big challenges for me is I am a super controlling person, um, maybe borderline on dictatorial. And, uh, you know, something like this is really hard for someone like me because there you basically lose control of everything. And there's no, you know, like, let me give you an example. Kelly likes to do this mean thing to me when we work out, which is he says, okay, we're going to do these three movements and we're just going to do them until we don't feel like doing them anymore. And I or, hate that. Or until quality drops off or the stimulus is in, but it's open. We don't know how hot the frying pan is going to be. So we'll just cook as long as we want to cook. Which I completely hate that. I want to have like my workout be like an exact number of reps or sets that goes for an exact perfect amount of time. And so obviously, you know, I, I think of that now because we don't know when we're going to come out of quarantine, when our businesses will be back open, when we'll be able to have a dinner party or whether our kids will be able to go to water polo practice. So I, I will say that um, I, uh, with a, the, my, I feel like my personality type is uniquely unsuited to a, uh, a global pandemic. So I've been really stressed. <laughs> But I agree with Kelly that um, I am starting to, I guess, sort of live with all of the uncertainty a little better and manage my anxiety um, more. And I'm starting to just sort of um, accept that this is our new reality. So that's where I am. That's, but that's interesting to me because like, I feel, for me, it's been almost the inverse, right? Where, you know, the pandemic, the lockdown starts and I'm like, cool, I got this. I'm down. Like I can, I can meditate for days. Right. And then all of a sudden recently I'm like, Oh fuck, this is like <laughs> legit. And I feel the panic level rising. So I'm really curious what shift like took place in you to allow that to like, to, you know, to hit the, the, the pressure release on the pressure cooker. Like what, what changed? Well, I think for me, it was honestly a lot of hard work. It was, it was, you know, the first two weeks we spent all of our time communicating with our, our gym members and our staff and sort of making those people feel like they were okay. The other thing that was really helpful for me is I spent, I have spent way more time than I care to admit on the phone with my accountant um, and doing a ton of financial forecasting for our business. Um, and once I, one, you know, we've sort of chosen like June 15th as like our outer limit date, like, okay, let's, let's plan to be closed completely till June 15th. Um, and as we sort of like fleshed out our financial situation and how we could pay people and how much money we had in cash reserve and how much income we still had and, um, and also planning to get this PPP loan we were just talking about before this, um, I think putting all that together made me think, okay, you know, I can float this business, including paying my full staff this entire time. Um, and I do think for me, that's helping me drop my anxiety level because, you know, I'll say even before the pandemic, um, you know, one of the things that was always, that's always been a sort of low level thing that I think about as a business owner is I do feel the weight of the fact that all of these people rely on Kelly and I mm -hmm. only to, for their very financial survival, you know, to pay for their, their childcare and their mortgage. And, and I've always really taken that to heart and taken that really seriously. Um, and so I think that that is honestly, for me, been my biggest source of stress is making sure that, um, that we don't have to just furlough our people and send them out to the wolves and that they can, they know they have an income they can rely on to pay their own bills and their own mortgages. And so I think if I really, you know, dig deep, I think once I got a handle on our financial situation and felt like, okay, like we've set this business up well to handle 
and a big issue like this, um, I think for me, that's sort of helping my anxiety level go the down. Planning, the planning, the planning. You're, you're, you're a planner. In yes. the, so you feel more comfortable once you have a plan, you know, you're going to put your gas mask on like this and then you, the missile's going to hit and, you know, and other people <laughs> are like, the building's going to collapse. Right. So. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. It's interesting. So, you know, the low side of control piece is really a big deal for people right now. Like we've ripped away agency, you know, as we were mentioning, you know, this thing goes against our very sociobiologic nature, our evolutionary selves. We are designed to be connected to people, designed to have these loose connections and actually be in contact. Like mm -hmm. this goes against fundamental human nature, not to hug, not to high five, not to, you know, you know, see your neighbors and get close. I mean, that's, that's what it is. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think the bottom line is it's really difficult to appreciate that we have these real threat stresses. And if we put that Maslow's hierarchy of needs on the bottom, do I feel safe? That's really a tricky one to do. Like, how do I, how do I have some agency? Hopefully what we've been doing is not just recreating and training. We've been trying to use that, you know, physical practice so that we can have better self-actualization in our real lives so that, you know, sports and exercise and training and climbing biking isn't just escapism because that really is akin to circus. Like, why should we care about professional sports? I don't know. They're circus. We'll burn the athletes and give them to the lions. It'll be fine. But that's not what it's about. It's about being able to take risk and feel comfortable with that. It's about going on an expedition and not knowing if you're going to achieve it and hopefully translating those lessons back, which means we control, we try to really manage our sleep. Juliet and I have been really doing a good job of not just saying, let's go crush ourselves when we do additional exercise, but let's keep the body moving, right? We've been cooking a ton. We're trying to stay connected to our friends. And in this moment, control what we can control so that we can handle these large stresses so that the impact is, yes, Juliet dips down and she's not sleeping as great and she's not at, you know, her world champion level self in terms of outputs, but maybe she's just like the rest of us mortal these days because she's got some practices in place that allow her to continue on and not, you know, despair. So I think that's really what we're trying to help people to say, hey, look, you know, there's a lot of this is unknown. Let's trust the process. And that's the same process that's gotten us as far as we have in our Olympics and our athletes. And, and in terms of using formula one sports experience to actually improve the lives of mere mortals like us. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, Kelly. I am at my best when I am the most stressed. <laughs> And you guys, I mean, can you, for our, for the, for the audience who, who might not know the ready state, can you guys give a brief overview? Because this is, this is really important for people right now who are, you know, Corey and I are talking, this is our seventh episode and we're talking through, you know, how people are spending their days. Um, and pretty much everyone's coming back to, Hey, you know, you should have a practice of whether it's a meditation practice or a movement practice. This is something that's really important in general, but right now I think it's even at the forefront. So the ready state is an amazing resource. It's your company. It's your, it's what you do. If you could just give a brief overview for the listeners so that they can go and check it out. Cause I think it really could be something that is valuable. Um, it's something that, you know, for the, uh, how long have we known each other? Seven, eight years. Um, Something like that. 
yeah, you guys have been, Kelly, not, you know, helping Creative you Live, Creative Live yep. 2013. That's right. That's right. Kelly, an airport, a United Lounge Margarita. <laughs> Ke Kelly would love to give you an overview of the Ready State. Oh. <laughs> In short. And, and we could tell you a story about that after this, but. We, okay. we try to help people, organizations, teams, get the most out of their bodies and be able to take care of themselves. So really one of the things that we have done a poor job of culturally is to empower people to be able to handle simple musculoskeletal problems, manage the position, see range of motion and mobility as a foundational, you know, a key foundation, just as important as sleep, how well can you move through the environment? How do we create movement vital signs? How do we help people, manage pain, enhance their recovery and adaptation, and then restore their position. So instead of thinking, I've got to be perfect, we don't think that that's a, a manageable, tenable you know, solution. Instead, what we think is, hey, what can you control today in the context of your life? What do you want to get better at? How can we help? And that, that's really the short story of, of what the ready state is. And, and, and you, if I could add, sorry, Gerard, could I no, add a couple please. things? Um, Practically speaking, you won't be surprised that I'll take this angle. Practically speaking, um, we, you know, if you log into the Ready State, what we offer is follow along movement and mobility videos that you can do at home. Um, and we didn't just create an at-home program because of a global pandemic, like many have. Um, we've been we've been offering an at-home program um, as long as this company has been in existence, which it's been here since 2009. So, um, you know, we offer these follow along at home videos and, you know, one of the things we hear from people a lot is, oh yeah, I mean, I need to spend all my time working. You know, I only have so much time to spend on myself and I need to spend that time exercising. Um, but if there was ever a time where you are stuck at home and can really dedicate yourself to fixing your positions and your mobility, this is the time. Let me add one of the things that we see is that people, you know, if we ask this fundamental question, who owns pain? right in our right now we have a moment to sort of level up our bodies address the aches and the aches and pains the nagging problems that are maybe you know allow we still go out and ride we still go out and run we still go out and do our thing but my elbow hurts my back hurts you know this fundamental conversation needs to happen now which is you know if pain is often the only sign that i have or that i'm aware of something may not be working right or or something has become sensitized, or my brain is perceiving a tissue as a threat, most of the time we ignore it, take some ibuprofen, you know, rub some, rub some duct tape on or something, and then go and tell I can no longer do my job, no longer occupy my role in society, no longer do my sport or do my role on the team. That's when we typically start to pay attention. And what we feel like is if people have a simple template, if they can become for lack of a better word, just combat medics, we actually can really level up and help people manage pain and manage taking care of their families, especially now when we can't go see a physical therapist or go see your chiropractor or your massage therapist. What's, what's the plan? Just to store up all this dysfunction until we get out? So what we find though is that it's the same tool that we can use to enhance your adaptation for exercise. It's the same sets of tools that we can use to improve your positioning, improve your efficiency. So that when you come out of this thing, you know, you're better on the bike, your mechanics are better running. But you know, to Juliet's point, you know, people have never been empowered 
to even understand where to go, you know, and, and what we do is we're like, oh, I guess I'll just do some yoga, I'll do some stretching. And we're like, that's pretty nonspecific. So what we have figured out is if we can, we know that if you commit to 10 minutes a day, we can really move the ball and you can sleep better and make yourself feel better and sort of get ahead. So when your kid says, Hey, my knee hurts, you're like, well, I don't know what to do, honey. I guess we'll just pretend like you didn't say, have this conversation. So now we know that we can shift this, this low side of control, shift this by empowering people again to be able to take care of their bodies. Now is the time. Can I add one more thing, Gerard? Um, I'm sure you guys have follow-ups, but you know, we actually were just in the last six months, we were on a podcast where we learned from a on our own podcast, where we learned from a physician that for as long as doctors have been recording what the number one reason people go to the doctor for, which goes back into the 1800s, but from the 1800s until the year 2000, the number one reason people went to see their physician was the common cold. And in the year 2000, that switched. Um, and since then, for the last 20 years and today, the number one reason people go to see their primary care physician is musculoskeletal injuries or pain. Um, and obviously you can connect the dots and um, think about the whole opio opioid epidemic in connection with that. But you know, the reality is, is that most doctors actually have no training or expertise to be able to help with mu musculoskeletal injuries, um, or they have two options, it's surgery or drugs. Um, so you know, we're of the mind that the vast majority of musculoskeletal injuries actually can be fixed literally on your living room floor with a few tools on your own without seeing a physician. Um, and that's not to say that there isn't catastrophe other problems that of course require surgery or medication. I'm not saying that, but that a lot of the nagging pain and injury people experience from being a recreational athlete or, you know, running around after little kids or getting older um, are things that you can literally address on your own without having to see a professional. And so really our goal is to empower people to do that for themselves. And add to that, do that before they get injured. I mean, that's the other thing is we're trying to, I think one of the things Kelly and I are trying to do is, you know, everyone knows about the four pillars of health, sleep, nutrition, exercise, and um, what's Community the fourth tribe. one? Um, community tribe. And we're, we're basically saying that, look, taking care of your body should be the fifth pillar of health. We're trying to elevate that in people's consciousness so that they realize that, man, if you can't get up off the floor without using your hands, your lifespan is shortened by seven years. It's that significant. What if so, you can do it with one leg versus two? Like, where does that come in? If you like, can just, you pistol, just do one, you know, like a pistol from the ground, like then you're going to live till 99 you're gonna live to be at like 103 gerard yeah. amortal okay. not yeah. immortal amortal all right all right <laughs> corey what were you gonna say no i was just i was curious so um common cold up to 2000 2000 to 2020 muscular musculoskeletal uh complaints what happened what like the past 20 years what what shifted like i mean i i'm just curious because i think for maybe that's a clear line for you guys but for a lot of people listening um, I, at least I'm curious what happened. Well, I, well, think, I think it's a, uh, I'll start Kelsey and you can add, I think it's a lot of things. Uh, I think one of the big ones is that we started sitting all the time. Uh, we became sedentary because, you know, I think if all of us look back in our own lives, being alive before and after the year 2000, um, you know, 2000 was when I really started spending half my day on the internet and on my email and, using technology. And so I think uh, the rise of technology has, you know, caused a lot of people, most people to spend most of their time sitting, 
which is not what we're supposed to do as humans. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Kels? Well, let's start with that. You know, the brain is the most complex structure in the known universe. We can handle this. We have bodies that are anti-fragile. They're really robust. You know, the, in this group, in the From podcast alone, we, <laughs> we know that there are some really badass peoples. When Kara and Anchor down climbed from Meru, for three days, they had a third of a cliff bar a day for what, three or four days. And then they got to the bottom and all the, the food was covered in snow and they had another 18 hour walkout. That's proof that we are pretty resilient humans. But there are some fundamental truths about the way we have evolved over the past two and a half million years. And in the last 10,000 years, there really hasn't been a lot of change in our human selves until modern times radically changed the environment. So two years ago, humans were sleeping in the United States 6.4 hours a night. What we know is your brain can't heal itself. It can't declog. It can't kick out toxins. It doesn't replenish. It doesn't consolidate memory. Like you need more than six hours of sleep. We think seven hours of sleep is like barely surviving, right? Eight hours, if you're an active person, is the goal. Well, last year it dropped to 6.2 hours of sleep. So what's going on there? What, we can't control our sleep? Well, suddenly, well, we can stay up later and we have Netflix and my cell phone's in my bedroom. And, you know, it used to be, Juliet and I, like, I'm not a tracker. I don't like to track. I don't like to measure. I don't like to count. I go by feel because I, you know, I believe it or not, Juliet, I have feelings. And um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm in touch with my feelings. But what I'll tell you is I don't believe you. You tell me I sleep. I'm like, you need to show me. And you need to show me by showing me your record of sleep because you're lying about your self-reporting. You're lying about the number of vegetables you're eating. You're lying about how much time you're online. You're lying about the non-exercise activity. Why? Because you're a human being. And we're designed to party and be interested and seek novelty and, and right. I mean, and sugar and conserve our energy. And some of us, exercise because we're maniacs and because this is what keeps me out of jail and not addicted to all the hardcore drugs comma you know what i'll say is it's a confluence of all those things and all of a sudden we hit some tipping point where we weren't loading enough we weren't sleeping enough and maybe some of just the environmental sneaky load of walking to school or or the amount of activity you used to get changed and to juliet's point it's not the sitting it's that sitting is the poster child for the changes in our environmental behavior. And it is easy to turn those switches back on once you're aware of them, but aggregate all that in on top of the fact that suddenly people are exposed to world-class training programs and you have access to kettlebells, Olympic lifting and gymnastics. And I know Triathlons. How, that's right. I can, I, you know, I can get on the internet and be like, boom, I'm going to set a world record in six weeks. This is going to be great. And just jump into that program. You know, what we have is incomplete from the way we eat to how much we recover to our training histories. I mean, right now, the number of musculoskeletal injuries in the military is through the roof because kids are coming in and they're actually talking about making basic training longer so that they don't break as many eggs. Why? Because the kids just aren't as, you know, tough and they just haven't loaded as much or run around or climb trees. So we're starting to see all of these things catch up. And if we take that 30,000 foot view, 60% of the United States is obese. I'm not talking about overweight. I'm talking about obese that, you know, when we all went to high school, the chances of us being diabetic, Julia, what, one in 4,000? One in 4,000. 
if you're an African-American woman today, it's two out of three. If you're a Hispanic male, chance of being diabetic are two out of three. So what we see is that the human is not living in a great environment and we're starting to have these lagging indicators. And it turns out poor access to the miracle that is your body is a good example of that. But because the human being is so robust, oftentimes those things don't show up till we're 30 or 40 or 50. And then our windows of fun and play get smaller and smaller and smaller. Hmm. So there's also some statistic to add to that, that, uh, all kids today, so if your kid is between two, like born and age 18 today, they have like a 60% chance of being obese by the time they're age 35. And that's regardless of socioeconomic class, because I know when we get on podcasts like this, people are like, that's not me. I live in Boulder, you know, right. <laughs> I can feed my kids alfalfa sprouts and whatever. It's like, nope. Um, I don't care who you are or from what, where you live or what your socioeconomic class is there is a really, there's a, a better chance than not that your kid will be obese by the time they're 35. And that's, and that's activity based. That's the, I mean, no, no, it's, 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 it's all those things. It's sleep, sitting too much sleep. Food. Yeah. Not eating, not getting enough movement. I mean, not getting enough non-exercise activity, not getting enough exercise. Um, I, you know, I think it's, it's the whole picture, um, that's causing that. So yeah, I mean, the food you put in your body is one thing, but it's all those other things too. And we appreciate that's complicated. We can't go into a, you know, a community that's, you know, food insecure or talk to an African-American woman about her insulin insensitivity and not appreciate her environmental stress, right? right. That we have to, we have to kind of honor and really talk about, it's complicated. We learn to eat from our parents. We learn to move the way our parents did. And if you fall into a community of people who like to move, it feels better. If you have this habit and pattern, right? There's all of these behavior changes. One of our friends just posted yesterday or a couple of days ago. He said, look, if you, he's a really well-known coach. He's the perform, head of performance for the Yankees. And he said, look, if you really want to be a good athlete and, and come out of this thing with a set of skills that makes you good when you play and good when you retire, he's like, learn to cook. Teach your parents, ask your parents to teach you how to cook. Right now, we're engaged in what we're, we're calling Iron Chef Starette. And uh, every day, one of us is making a meal, and we're competing for the ultimate meal. But yesterday, my 14-year-old spatchcocked and roasted a chicken. She made a cauliflower gratin. She braised some greens and then made a, you know, a lime-aid kind of- Sorbet. You know, sorbet as a palate cleanser i'm like she's 14. i'm like come at me bro because this is the time we can actually do some of those things and and there are some marks that that's happening people are getting they're making kombucha they're baking bread we have a minute so let's use this time to think differently there's no reason why we can't be trying to get more movement or sit on the ground or work or control our sleep we may not this may not be the time to become elite fit this may not be the time to go on a diet. We're stressed animals right now. And when you're stressed, diet and intense exercise are two more important stresses. So we don't need to add more stress to the load right now. Instead, let's say, hey, let's, let's work on some skills that when we come out of this thing, we're a little bit more intact as humans. So, so like if, you, if we were to say, what is the star at skill list of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic? 
Like what, what, how would you prioritize that? What would you put on that list of this is, these are the things that we really think based on everything that we've learned are, are critical to uh, use this time for. Let me, let me just add a couple of things. I'll let Juliet take this. Can you make toilet paper from a telephone pole? Um, <laughs> can you skin raccoons and prepare them for your family? No, I mean, J-Star, take us from that. What, what, what do you think? Because this is, this is really where I think we lose our minds and trying to simplify this is the key. J-Star. Yeah, that's, I'm, that's what I want to get because I think for, for listeners, it's just like, okay, tell me what to do, you know, like we, and, and, and the simpler, almost the better, but almost sometimes unbelievable as well. You know, like Stephen Kotler's like, make a list, you know, you're like, fuck you. But it's not what you guys would say. Um, well, are you talking about kids or adults? Because I would have a different list depending on which one. Well, let's, let's start with adults because uh, I think most of our listeners are probably in that 18 to 34 demographic. And then, and then go to kids because I think some of them probably have kids and, and, and I think that's important as well. I mean, for me, a priority is moving as much as you, like if I could add, like the top thing on my list is moving as much as you can. Um, that's not exercising. And, I, and that's not exercise. Um, I'm talking about walking like 100%. You should be getting a minimum of 12,000 steps a day. You should be counting that by way of some kind of counter because otherwise, like Kelly said, you're not being honest with yourself. If you can go outside, if it's appropriate, if you're safe, of course. Right. Yes, I mean, and I get there's a lot of people in apartments, but I mean, there was that guy who just walked a marathon in his backyard in a single day by walking back and forth in like a six foot space. So I think there's a lot of ways to be creative. Um, I actually take a lot of my calls in the house during the day by just putting my earbuds around and literally walking laps around my house. And I mean, I'm able to clock like 10,000 steps, just conference calling all day long. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I would highly prioritize walking as much as you can. And if you can, if you're lucky enough to live somewhere, you can get outside, getting outside, because I think another fundamental thing we have as humans is that we are supposed to actually go outside. Um, and I think it's really against our biology to not have an opportunity to do that. So if that's something that's accessible to you, um, I agree with Kelly. I actually don't think this is time to be like, yes, I'm going to go keto or paleo or whole 30 or whatever. I actually just think um, again, because, you know, doing some extreme diet is, or not necessarily extreme diet, but a diet like that is another stressor on the body. I just think, um, man, be nice to yourself. I think try to eat like as many vegetables as you can in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would also say work hard to get at least eight hours of sleep. I mean, you know, none of us are commuting to work and taking our kids to school or daycare. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that complexity that's been pulled out of our lives now because we're all stuck at home all the time. And I think, you know, man, if you can walk every day, at least 12,000 steps, eat some vegetables, get eight hours of sleep. Um, those are, I think like the top three things that you can also do just for your own stress management. I think if you do those things every day, you're actually just going to feel better and be able to weather this, what I've been calling a shit storm of a pandemic way better. I mean, those mm. would be the, the top yeah. thing I would add. Health. And what's nice, what's nice about that is these are the fundamental behaviors that we actually sort of really opine over to try so that when we're then layering in more stress, more training load, more competition load, more adventure, we've actually created a really solid base program. So everyone can kind of relate to, oh, I need to go create a base and a move, right exercise base. Well, this base is the fundamentals for what your body needs, whether you're training or not. And what we know is that it takes, you know, upwards of 30 days to create a new habit. 
And so if your sleep has been stressed for years and you've been lying to yourself and getting by because you're so awesome, it may take 30 days to begin to shift that sleep around and to run some more experiments. You know, one of the things Juliet kind of casually threw in, she said, hey, eat more veggies. Well, you know, one of the things that we are huge fans of is this idea of trying to eat 800 grams of vegetables and fruits a day. And for some of us, we have access to, you know, lots of different vegetables and fruits, but if you only have four or five or you can get three in a day, try to eat and notice that we're adding food to your diet. We're not stripping away beer and alcohol. We're not saying don't eat chocolate. We're just saying if you layer this good behavior in, you'll actually eat less crap because you're so full because you've eaten a gigantic salad bag. So if you can do that, then one of the thing, magical things that starts to happen for the activity, for example, is that you'll actually accumulate enough fatigue that you'll fall asleep and you'll stay asleep. And so sometimes it's difficult for us to appreciate that there's not one aspect that we can just pull out, that these things are highly connected, highly interrelated. And so when we start to improve the health and robustness of the system, we actually come out and have established patterns and behaviors that will allow us to actually get back to work and get back to our lives and get back to our play even faster. So, so well, what I would just, um, sorry, Corey, I, what I just want to add to, I mean, I don't think Kelly and I are saying don't exercise in a formal way, you know, whatever it is you can do in your home. If you can do that as well, but I think um, sma what, what people need to think about is smashing yourself in your home gym is another stressor. And to the extent that we are all really stressed right now by, you know, sick relatives or our business is gone or we've lost our job or whatever, it may be that actually focusing your attention on just non-exercise activity like walking or doing the fitness marshal or something, it would actually be better. Um, you know, you can maintain a base level of fitness that way and it might just be better for your mental health than you guys smashing have been focusing yourself in the gym. On, on uh, down-regulation, I mean, for, yep. for the members of your community, I know, Kelly, you've been doing a daily uh, down-regulation in, in the afternoon, which is a great habit to have speaking of habits, if you don't have it, um, yep. which not a lot of people do, um, that's, that, that's an actual sort of tactical thing that you guys are doing with the community every day is, is a guided down regulation. If you could speak to that for a second, I think that that's within that sort of arsenal of, of things that you could try to activate right now. Yeah. Let's and Kelly, some, can you define down regulation? Cause I think yeah, we use so that let's, word all let's the time. Let's tie some things together. So callers like make a list, right? <laughs> and what we appreciate is, you know, right now you don't have a structure and that is not how humans are supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. You're just, you, what you need to do for your kids in order to feel safe if you're at home is they need to go to bed at the same time. They need to wake up at the same time. In fact, you do too. You should be kind of building in these, the, even though maybe you don't have to be at the job at a certain time and you can, you know, smear on the edges a little bit, you will feel better about yourself and your physiology will function better if you have a little bit of a routine. And part of that make a list is trying to say, hey, here's the things I'm going to control. I'm going to just prioritize this basic list. You know, and one of the things that we have found to be very effective is to help your body, help your brain relax through your body. So, Obviously, people know that meditation is very effective at chilling out, or we say down-regulating. But the idea is, hey, how can I have some inputs that begin to signal my brain 
it's time to calm down. I'm, I'm relaxed now. And I, oh, this is what I do before I go to bed. So I start to create a bedtime routine. So you give your kid a bath before you go to bed and the kid's in the bath and it's like, I know what comes next, sleeping, right? That's part of the magic of that thing. So what we've been doing with our community, and you can do this yourself, is choose a roller, choose a ball, choose a wine bottle, put it on some part of your body, lay down on your quads and go to smash town. Start rolling back and forth, taking some big breaths, and what you'll see, and we can become very, very technical about a better impact of that, but a little bit of soft tissue work before you go to bed, even 10 minutes of soft tissue work before you go to bed can do a lot to help you feel relaxed. And, you know, if you've ever had a massage, you never jumped up off the massage table ready to fight someone or snatch or do max reps pull-ups. Well, that's part of the magic of this is that through this input, you can sense the signals to your nervous system, time to calm down. So, so um, one of the things that I think is, you've pointed out here that I want to reiterate because I think this is so true in life, but there's an element of honesty uh, that, needs to, that needs to be pervasive because if you're not being honest with yourself and where you're at in your routine, in your life, in what you're doing on your day-to-day schedule, whatever it happens to be, then how can you actually functionally fix the things that are wrong? And I think that's a really interesting point that people don't actually ever pay attention to. I mean, I come to that from a background of alcoholism and, and 12 steps, right? right? So you're talking about you know, unflinching honesty. But I think that spills over into this moment right now where we're telling ourselves, or what are we telling ourselves that might or might not be true. And if you're only if you're being honest about it, um, can you then actually start to approach your habits, right? And then what's your And let's substitute the word honest with conscience, right? I'm being conscious of what these things are, maybe for the first time in my life, because I have a moment. Right. I mean, using that time to be aware of, shit, I actually don't sleep well. Or, yeah. you know, or I, I think I get plenty of exercise, but, but maybe, I, or maybe I don't. And that's where it spills over into the habits, which are, and that's where we go back to make a list. Well, what do you want your habits to be? And, you know, I, I love how simple that is about just move, move, you know, whatever it happens to be, walk around your house. Uh, eat vegetables. And I think that goes back to like, we'll take the time to learn how to cook. You know, I mean, that's a, I've just noticed that myself, like, fuck, I don't, I don't eat out right now because I can't. And A, I feel better. And B, I mean, that's a creative outlet for me all of a sudden. Yeah. I think that's, um, I, I just want to going back to these, these, uh, I've heard you guys refer to it, Kelly and Julietta, you know, as first principles, right? Yeah. That, that these, the first it's moving, eating and sleeping. I mean, that's almost like the Kotler, like make a list. Right, right, <laughs> right. Is, you know, you know yeah, and let me add that, um, you know, the eating thing, you know, we're eating together as a family, cook together as a family. So it turns out every high performance group we work with eats lunch together once a week. And the more often a group of people who work together eat one meal a day together, or even had a coffee break or share a meal or bring in to have a potluck, you know, Pollock, those things make better society. The best predictor of your kids not being like wild alcoholic maniacs is to have dinner together. Hmm. So, wow, for a moment, it turns out 
cooking with your kids is a really good way for them not to be crazy as adults and serving your family or serving your, your quarantine mate. And, you know, this is the moment where we don't even have to believe or understand what all the ripple effects are, but those fundamental issues like not going out and shoving down a burrito in my mouth and then running back, you know, we get to break that habit and cycle for a second. And I was just going to add, Corey, I mean, on your point about consciousness or honesty or whatever we want to call it, I mean, I actually do think that that is the only good thing about all these tracking devices we have these days. I mean, I'm wearing like a Whoop here and I have my Apple Watch here and I have data like coming at me from all angles. Um, but I will say that for me, that data either keeps me honest or if I want to phrase it another way, informs my habits. Like, I am and have always been obsessed with moving enough in, in the day. And the way I track that is, did I get enough steps? Did I walk enough? And it actually informs my behavior. You know, if I've got 8,000 steps and it's six o'clock at night, you know, maybe we go take a walk around the block and get a couple extra thousand steps, or maybe I'll do four fitness marshals or I'll do something. But, you know, actually having some data informs my behavior. Um, so I don't use any of this data because I think it's going to help me become a way more, way better athlete or faster this or better CrossFitter or that. That is not why I use this data, this data at all. I use it so that I have consciousness about whether the things I'm doing for my health are working and also to inform my habits. So it's, that's, I, I wear an aura ring, um, to track my sleep. I don't wear it during the day just because uh, you know, I've got other bling. Um, no, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't like wearing it during the day. Um, I, I, and, but sometimes the information is actually disruptive to me because I look at it and maybe it's the coloring and I love aura, but it's like, you know, if I see a red line in, in sort of the sleep analysis, I get all fucked up about it. I'm like, Oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have enough deep sleep. I didn't have enough REM sleep. Um, <laughs> Right. Like it freaks me out. Uh, but, but that I want to talk about sleep a little bit right now because it might seem like the most simple part of all of this for people because they're like, I'm at home, I'm sleeping all day. But there's a big difference between healthy sleep patterns um, at night and just chilling the fuck out, which a lot of people are doing. Can, can you guys address that a little bit? Well, Jill, one when, of the when do you start falling asleep? When, do you, when, when does your sleep routine start, J-Star? At like eight o'clock. Okay. No, no, I mean, when do you stop drinking coffee? Oh, yeah, God. I mean, I have, I mean, I guess that probably is like step one of my sleep getting ready for bed routine is I cannot drink coffee after three o'clock or it definitely messes up my sleep and probably more like one o'clock is better. Um, so yeah, I mean, my sleep routine stops when I quit drinking caffeine because I love caffeine, but I also know how, what a deep impact it has on your sleep. So I, I would say that's when my sleep routine starts. And, you know, a couple other things. I mean, I don't want to get too granular on our simple list that Kelly and I do. But, you know, on the sleep piece, I mean, we really do go to sleep and get up at the same time every day, usually even on the weekends. I know that really hurts people. But I think that, that people can use that sleeping in on the weekend as some insight into how their overall sleep patterns are. If you have to catch up by sleeping until 11 every weekend day, that probably means your weekday sleep was shit. Um, and you might use that as a, as a sort of test to determine whether you need to go back and um, sort out your weekday sleep. I, I don't think um, sleeping in on a Saturday or Sunday makes up for five days of shitty sleep. Um, we, we both sleep with an eye mask on because we believe that your room should be like dark black, like the middle, you know, like no lights. 
um, no phones in the room. Um, we have, we, Kelly sleeps on a chili pad, which is like our favorite product of all time. It circulates freezing cold water underneath his sheet. So he's not sweating it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually sleep with a weighted blanket. Um, we basically try to create these cocoon like sleep environments for ourselves. Um, and the other thing I think that we often don't say is that you need to actually give yourself a much bigger window of laying in bed than you actually want to get to sleep. Because, you know, most of us have, it's really common to have up to an hour of sleep disturbances. I mean, first of all, it takes you a little while to fall asleep. And then it's really common. Most people don't just sleep directly through. It's really common to have a lot of disturbances and actually up to an hour of sleep disturbances are totally normal. Mm -hmm. And so, so if you want to get eight hours of sleep, you need to be laying in bed for nine hours. So that's and something that requires sure a little you planning. Don't have children. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, forget all that. <laughs> all bets are off. If you if you're listening to this and you have a kid that's like right. three or, or four or under, like th none of this applies to you. All bets are off with little kids. But how, about, how about this? You know, one of the things that sometimes, and I'm not saying it needs to change right now because people are so stressed, but we want you to appreciate that we view alcohol as a stressor. Mm -hmm. And so what people oftentimes have been doing in their normal lives is running from stepping on the gas, five-hour energy, bulletproof coffee, caffeine, caffeine, caffeine. And in extreme cases, it's a lot of Adderall. Then they get to the end of the day and they're like, hit the brakes. You know, I had a coffee at four o'clock to get through that five o'clock meeting. And then I got to work out and exercise in the evening, right, run to class, hit the brakes with wine, THC, and in extreme cases, Ambien. And if you're thinking that the Adderall Ambien cycle is an extreme case, welcome to professional sports and the military. You know, where mm -hmm. some of our athletes were taking, our war fighters are taking two Ambien, sleeping for four hours, wake up, take two more Ambien. So what we're seeing is that, boy, if I take a lot of Ambien, wake up the next day, pretty groggy. And so I'm gonna have to get on the caffeine train to get through that. And now I get caught in this cycle. And one of the things that we want you to appreciate is that alcohol can definitely help you fall asleep but you're not going to sleep very well. Mm -hmm. And that full quality sleep is not going to be access to you. And what we see actually, because we know this from the science is that even a single drink for most people will disrupt their cardiac function. So right now, you know, Juliet and I are probably doing more drinking than we've done in months, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're at, oftentimes we're having a single drink or a half a beer as a ritual, like we've made it, we're, we're Zooms, we're trying to, we're seeing this as a ritual, not necessarily, I need to use this to hit the brakes. And we appreciate right. that it's gonna mess up our sleep. So we're, we're big kids about it. But what Juliet's saying is that sometimes our processes are hidden from us. Oh, rush, 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 now go to bed. Dude, that's not, you know, one of our friends recommends setting an alarm an hour before you need to go to bed as a reminder that you're about to go to bed in an hour. So now's the time to turn off some lights. Now's the time to make some tea. Now's the time to get into bed. We like to remind people that if you get into bed a half hour earlier, just a half hour, that means you're likely to go to sleep earlier. Like 30, you can get into bed 30 minutes earlier. Just read your book or chill if you don't fall asleep. No big deal. But in two weeks, you may have slept an additional night. Like we, we are arguing about, you know, which diet is the best and which shoe is the best and which train plan is the best. And we can't even tell because no one is being honest about their sleep. So again, I would like to add, um, sorry, Corey, one last tactical thing on sleep. 
And this comes directly from Matt Walker, who wrote Why We Sleep, which is, I think, one of the greatest books um, I've read in the last couple of years. And this made me sad. But, you know, uh, one of the things he recommended is to not fall asleep on the couch while you're watching Game of Thrones. Um, and I will say that that was a favored pastime of mine. I find that there's like something that feels so good about laying on the couch, having a TV show on and passing out with it on. And mm -hmm. he said that you really need to like curb that instinct. When you feel tired, he's like, go to bed. Um, it's because falling asleep on the couch and then transferring to your bed is a big disruption in your sleep cycle. Um, and so even though that, at least for me, that was something I love to do. I kind of just want to fall asleep on the couch and then move. Um, that definitely got into my mind and I've quit doing that. If I feel like I need to go to sleep, I just go to sleep. So that, <laughs> can I watch, can I watch the show in my bed on my laptop? I mean, come on. <laughs> Only like if it's like 24 or right, or some, some gnarly action show where you're just all right. pumped up. Westworld, robots, killing, right? So I, I honestly, uh, I mean, this is just sort of an admission, but it's something that I've noticed about myself and I am very aware of and I don't like is that that actually, I mean, I ask that in jest, but I ask it, I know the answer, but I do that. And I watch, um, I watch reruns of shit that I've watched literally hundreds of times now in order to put me to sleep, right? It's it's yeah. the familiarity. It's then your aura tracker ring gives you a red, and you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know, right? Just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't make sense of the data. All right. <laughs> exactly. So, you're yeah, calling yeah, me yeah, out. There's the consciousness. There's the honesty. Yeah, but it, but yeah. the, but the idea is, look, let's bring just like you're an adult. It's okay if, if this is your self-soothing mechanism. Let's make sure that it's actually working and not working right. against you. Because I know a lot of people are like, I had a half a bottle of wine. Be like taking a nap now, right? And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, what's the downstream cost of that? Well, look, let's look at your deep sleep. Oh, yeah, look at your REM sleep. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe there's another behavior that can help you self-soothe, right? Because we know that, you know, wine can be proof of God's love, comma, <laughs> it may not be, in, you know, conducive of managing high stress activities or high stress times. And I think that's really what we want people to, you know, dude, weed is very legal in Boulder. You know, I, you know, I like to smoke out and go to sleep. Great. How do you know that's working for you? Right. Yeah. Because, you know, we have plenty of athletes who are like, dude, my heart rate variability was wrecked and I was trashed the next day. I'm like, hmm, inputs and outputs. Right. So the key here is how do we know what we know? Wake up in the morning, if you're doing your gratitude journal, great. If not, you're just like, how do I feel? Do I feel excited about training? Do I feel excited? Am I sleepy? Is it going to take, you know, am I going to have to jumpstart my heart with a half a pot of coffee and then espresso? You know, maybe we can then apply some logic because this is the moment where we can get real and we can have some consciousness because we're not sprinting to the next practice, the next play date, the next thing. We have a second. So just bring some awareness. Let's leave this mess with just some different tools and consciousness than we did when we started. Mm. I love that. That's yeah. great. That's great. So um, what, are, what are you guys reading right now? I'm just curious. We're, we're like winding down on time, but I'm just, I want, I want to get like the, the granular shit. What can other people read that you guys are psyched on right now? What are you curious about? Just give us some playful weird shit. Um, I'm reading this book called Alchemy. Oh, I'm reading a few books, a business book called Alchemy. Um, 
actually in this group that Gerard and I are in. Um, I'm also reading a, a book about a guy who walked all 4,500 miles of the Nile River in Africa. Um, that's, you know, thinking about adventure uh, is a good way for me to personally escape because I can't actually do any adventure right now. So mm -hmm. that's been that's been fun for me. I will add though, that up until this past weekend, I have had no mental bandwidth to read anything beyond what I read all day, every day, and including um, understanding uh, what the payroll protection program is and things like that. So, House Bill um, 6201, so 880 I, it's, pages. It's an, it's an area where I have to be nice to myself because um, I always feel like I'm a slacker in life if I'm not like completing a bunch of books and I'm up on all the reading and whatever, but honestly, over the last couple of weeks, um, it, you know, it, if I can like make it to the couch by 8 PM and watch Tiger King, I've like won at life. And honestly, <laughs> I feel like I've, you know, just to the extent that I'm kind of coming out of my peak stress, I feel like I finally actually have a little mental bandwidth to read, but that's new for me. Kelly's been, Kelly's been reading a ton of stuff. Well, I tell you, you know, um, what I've been, Re my escape is fantasy and sci-fi and mm -hmm. uh you know i just blew through you know a ton until i hit this current book i'm in which is like a thousand page sci-fi fantasy epic but um what i found is um i really do like to read technical things difficult you know things outside of my um you know my my kind of field of study mm -hmm. and but i need a book i have to hold the book in my hand but recently I'm also trying not to kill as many books and trees. And so I have switched to a Kindle for all the, just the pulpy sci-fi, the, the small shaped books that Juliet always gives me crap for reading, you know, mm -hmm. the, the sci-fi stuff. But uh, it is interesting, you know, um, I think what hidden in there, because I think Juliet and I are pretty voracious readers, um, is this notion that it's an interesting diagnostic tool don't have any desire to read. Don't like pay attention to that, right? Hey, I don't really feel like reading for fun right now. Well, don't force yourself to do that. I mean, that, that's really important data around this. And, you know, for me, it definitely, um, I read to escape. It just really feels good sometimes. You know, that, that has always been work for me as an only child. And, uh, um, you know, when I'm stressed, I, I love to have a, a pulpy piece of, you know, piece of sci-fi. So what are two, give me two pulpy pieces of sci-fi for the show notes, Kelly. Uh, Anne Leckie just wrote a book called, um, the Raven tower, which is really amazing. And then, uh, a book I just finished recently, which blew my mind, which is probably young adult fiction. So, you know, hang in there. It's called Gideon the night. And, uh, so if you're, if you like Tolkien, like, you know, good writing, those, those two books were really just incredible writing we, we know a lot of writers you know like steven and those guys and so we really appreciate you know writers and writing and uh those those two pieces of sci-fi fantasy were just incredible and what are you guys listening to i know having spent some time in your home you always you always got some tunes going um i think music right now is is a is a soothing thing to go to um what are you guys listening to anything new anything old playlist i mean i always listen to 80s pop music um, yes. at all times um and that has not changed during this that that's my preferred workout music as well um 
And you know, I don't know, Kels, what else? I mean, we've been listening to some John Bellion lately. What else? What else has I, been on? I our have list? Uh, two stations on heavy repeat. Yoast, Y O S T E. It's this chord of kind of uh, like Tycho ambient pop kind of, uh, you know, electronica, and then also tourist radio. But you know, um, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I, I feel like I'm not my most creative you know, writing interesting self right now. I think we've just been under a lot of stress. And I noticed that when I'm highly stressed, sort of my drive and creativity drops back to just a few things. And then as the, the, the stress comes off, I start to become very interested again, you know, need to write again, those things. It's, it's been interesting to watch. I have one more question and it, it just sort of, Gerard, I don't know if you want to add anything, but You've mentioned several times, both of you, that this is sort of in opposition to our biology, our trajectory as humans and our, the way we come together. How are you guys navigating that? I mean, we're not supposed to hug. We're not supposed to embrace. You have a family unit. I'm not saying what, sh what can people go do? I'm just more curious, like, how are you managing that need to be close, especially as sort of community pillars and people who are at the helm of your community in some ways? Like, how, how are you dealing with that? I mean, we have been, like everybody, doing a lot of Zoom birthday parties and Zoom happy hours and connecting with our friends on Zoom. And I, I think that that meets like 25% of that need. You know, it's just no matter how you slice it, it's not the same. You know, right. we'll even get on a Zoom call with our closest friends and there's these like awkward pauses where nobody knows what to say. And right. it's, I find it, I, to me, it's so, it's, it just is such an example of how it, different it is. If we were all together in a group, there would never be a pause or any awkwardness, but something about the medium makes sort of like flowing conversation not always work well. Mm -hmm. um, I think we are really lucky in that as a foursome, our, our tight family unit, we are very simpatico. We get along really well. There is not a lot of fighting or strife in our family at all. Um, and I think that that alone would make this whole experience infinitely more difficult. So I think, you know, if I could like take a moment of gratitude, I think that's one of the things I'm the most grateful for is that our household, Kelly and I get along really well. We all get along as a group. Our girls get along well. I think having a household that is simpatico is like mission has been mission critical for us being able to survive this. And I would add on top of that, that's not an accident. We try to play together as a family. We go into the outdoors and wilderness as a family. We travel as a family. So that's a very much a practice skill. I think if all of a sudden you didn't have any commonalities and common experiences, you're trying to recreate those in a stress environment. We're fortunate that we had some things going. One of the pieces of research that came out relatively recently was, you know, everyone has their immediate tribe, but one of the ways that you can actually feel safe and to feel acknowledged is to be seen in your community is to be just eye contact from your neighbors. And one of the things that you can do to actually feel that connection is take your chair, put it on your deck at six o'clock, wave to people, start saying hello to your neighbors. People don't appreciate, but that in-person eye contact of being seen, the, you know, the saying hello to your grocer every single day, that same person when you go buy milk and eggs and whatever it is you eat, you know, those relationships of feeling like you belong in a community are as powerful as even getting together with your closest friends, which frankly you don't do very often because we all live these disparate connected, disconnected lives. So I think 
we can probably transform society just by making eye contact with other drivers and being like, no, 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 you go, come on in. I'll, I see you, wave on in, right? This I'm, I'm with you. Dude, we can, we can so have with a you. nicer community. Like, come on in, I see you, that's good, come on. I, I also, love waving. I love waving. I don't get why more people don't wave. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Like when I'm riding or even when I'm walking, I wave. And when people don't wave back, it, it, I notice it. I'm just like, yeah, God, what, like, why not? Like, it's such Sometimes a- it's a shock. I mean, some people like to, to the point that it's not, not like culturally, you know, so you wave and some people are like, what are people we, are well, shocked yeah, when should you I, smile. Should I wave or yeah. They're yeah. shocked when you smile at them on the street. They're like, get away from me, pervert. And you're like, no, I'm just, I, that's not a pervy smile. That's just like a what's up, you know? So if you can even just in your own, you know, circle of houses, you know, say hello to your neighbors taking out the trash. You know, we live close to open space that hasn't been closed. Some easy trails. A lot of people are out walking, leaving plenty of space, doing the right thing. But people are just saying hi in a way that they haven't done in a second. I think people are acknowledging their space and the relationship and we just, you know, we're conscious of it. So to, to that, to you and you answer your question, go out there and wave to some people you don't know, like to say, what's yeah. up? How you doing? You know, you, my, I, it's interesting to see my friends who've developed some habits around this to sort of stay connected to humanity, um, that they'll probably keep going after this ends. But my dear friend, Steve and Anastasia, we all live in these Eichler houses that have a lot of outdoor space, but the front of them is not very welcoming. You can't, um, you can't really see what's going on. They don't have front patios or front porches. Um, but they've actually taken like a rickety old coffee table and two lawn chairs. And every night, seven days a week at six o'clock, they go sit in front of their house. Um, and there's a nice little like six to eight foot berm between them and the sidewalk. And they just talk to passersby and they've made friends with new neighbors and they've talked to people about their dogs and talked to kids walking by. And, you know, they're just like, they've just sort of set up shop outside their house every night at six o'clock. Um, and inevitably there's passersby and there's more than six feet of space so they can interact with one another. And they, they are able to sort of stay connected with humanity in a really nice way. Mm. Let's make Pleasantville again. I think that that's really the, you know, there's plenty of research to say that when we created air conditioning, like a lot of society changed. We stopped sitting on the patios to cool off in the evening because we went inside because of air conditioning. That is, that's not an original idea. But for the first time, we're back outside and members of our community, people are walking around more. They have a second, you know, just we've, we've taken some of the hurry and the frantic out let's repopulate let's let's have these conversations let's establish these human ties and, and more importantly again it's about feeling safe if this day has been about or this conversation is about that base of that needs chart feeling self-actualized is only going to happen if i feel connected to my community if i feel safe if i feel rested i mean that's that's what this is all about right now there's there, you don't need to worry about your body weight split timing pull up 5k that's all bullshit right now is the chance to get it right and then go back in with better habits and hopefully someone will stick mm -hmm. i think that's a a great place to cap it in that we ongoing theme that Corey and i have been hearing you know is how to create emotional connection in this age of physical distance right now and i think that that's a way that it sounds like you guys have been finding growth i mean we're all going to grow in one way or another but to to be able to come out of this and, and everybody waving in their friend at the stop sign or to be out on the porch. 
you know, certainly I think that those are some of the silver linings is to find ways to, to have social and emotional connection, even though we're, we got to be six feet apart. Um, so, I mean, you can't see me waving from the sprinter van, but you get the idea. <laughs> another boulder, another boulder cut. Boulder, oh. land of, uh, land of, did you know this, that Boulder actually has the most per capita used bookstores in America? I didn't know raise that. Your, raise Fun your fact. hand if you were uh, in Farron's. At, at CU, yes, I was. You know, <laughs> mess them up, mess them up. Go see you. <laughs> well, thanks so much for the time. Uh, we'd love to have you guys back when we are back in our studio. Corey and I concepted this podcast in a different time, and we had a, a whole <laughs> idea on how we were going to yeah. do it. Um, but we just decided to kick it off and get it going. And we really appreciate everything that you guys have brought to this. Uh, for our listeners, you know, go to the Ready State and check it out. Um, and Kelly's doing these down regulations every every afternoon. There's just endless number of uh, tools and information that Kelly and, and Juliet bring to the world and have for many many years. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. And thanks so much for your time, and um, we we'll look forward to talking to you guys soon. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys, so much. For Always having a pleasure. Beyond real from. fun. Thanks for listening to Rome from Home with myself and Corey Richards. If you like the show and you want to check it out over on romemedia.com, you can see both the video and the audio, plus the show notes where anything that was referenced in this episode, Google search, book, movie, will be listed. And if you really like us and you want to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or any of the places that you listen to podcasts, we would appreciate it. Join us next week when we're going to talk to more icons and experts, prominent figures from the world of adventure here on Rome from Home.